Volume Nine, Chapter Three of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Valley. Cecilia, Memoirs of Inheris by Francis Burney. Volume Nine, Chapter Three. A confabulation. The next morning, while the family was at breakfast, Belfield, according to his promise, made his visit. A high colour overspread his face as he entered the room, resulting from a sensation of grief at his fallen fortune and shame at his altered appearance, which though he endeavoured to cover under an air of gaiety and unconcern gave an awkwardness to his manner and a visible distress to his countenance mr monckton received him with pleasure and cecilia who saw the conflict of his philosophy with his pride dressed her features once more in smiles which however faint and heartless showed her desire to reassure him Miss Bennet, as usual, when not called upon by the master or lady of the house, sat as a cipher. And Lady Margaret, always disagreeable and repulsive to the friends of her husband, though she was not now more than commonly ungracious, struck the quick feeling and irritable Belfield to wear an air of rude superiority meant to reproach him with his disgrace this notion which strongly affected him made him for one instant hesitate whether he should remain another in the same room with her but the friendliness of mr monckton and the gentleness and good breeding of cecilia seemed so studious to make amends for her moroseness that he checked his too ready indignation and took his seat at the table yet was it some time before he could recover even the assumed vivacity which this suspected insult had robbed him of sufficiently to enter into conversation with any appearance of ease or pleasure but after a while soothed by the attentions of cecilia and mr monckton his uneasiness wore off and the native spirit and liveliness of his character broke forth with their accustomed energy this good company i hope said he addressing himself however only to cecilia will not so much mistake the thing as to criticise my dress of this morning since it is perfectly according to rule and to rule established from time immemorial but lest any of you should so much err as to fancy shabby what is only characteristic i must endeavour to be beforehand with the malice of conjecture and have the honour to inform you that i am enlisted in the grub street regiment of the third story and under the tattered banner of scribbling volunteers a race which if it boasts 
not the courage of heroes at least equals them in enmity. This coat, therefore, is merely the uniform of my corpse, and you will all, I suppose, respect it as emblematical of wit and erudition. We must at least respect you, said Cecilia, who thus gaily can sport with it. Ah, madam, said he more seriously, it is not from you I ought to look for respect. I must appear to you the most unsteady and coward-hearted of beings, but lately I blushed to see you from poverty, though more worthily employed than when I had been seen by you in affluence. That shame vanquished, another equally narrow took its place, and yesterday I blushed again that you detected me in a new pursuit, though I had only quitted my former one from a conviction it was ill-chosen. There seems in human nature a worthlessness not to be conquered, yet I will struggle with it to the last, and either die in the attempt or dare seem that which I am without adding to the miseries of life the sting the envenomed sting of dastardly false shame your language is wonderfully altered within this twelvemonth said mr monckton the wordlessness of human nature the miseries of life this from you so lately the champion of human nature and the panegyrist of human life Soured by personal disappointment, answered he, I may perhaps speak with too much acrimony, yet ultimately my opinions have not much changed. Happiness is given to us with more liberality than we are willing to confess. It is judgment only that is dealt us sparingly, and of that we have so little, that when felicity is before us we turn to the right or left or when at the right or left we proceed straight forward it has been so with me i have sought it at a distance amidst difficulty and danger when all that i could wish has been immediately within my grasp it must be owned said mr monckton after what you have suffered from this world you were wont to defend there is little reason to wonder at some change in your opinion Yet, whatever has been my suffering, he answered, I have generally been involved in them by my own rashness or caprice. My last enterprise, especially from which my expectations were highest, was the most ill-judged of any. I considered not how little my way of life had fitted me for the experiment I was making, how irreparably i was enervated by long sedentary habits and how insufficient for bodily strength was mental resolution we may fight against partial prejudices and by spirit and fortitude we may overcome them but it will not do to war with the general tenor of education we may blame despise regret as we please but customs long established and habits long indulged assume an empire despotic, though their power is but prescriptive. 
opposing them is vain nature herself when forced aside is not more elastic in her rebound will you not then said cecilia since your experiment has failed return again to your family and to the plan of life you formerly settled you speak of them together said he with a smile as if you thought them inseparable and indeed my own apprehension they would be deemed so has made me thus fear to see my friends since i love not resistance yet cannot again attempt the plan of life they would have me pursue i have given up my cottage but my independence is as dear to me as ever and all that i have gathered from experience is to maintain it by those employments for which my education has fitted me instead of seeking it injudiciously by the very road for which it has unqualified me and what is this independence cried mr monckton which has thus bewitched your imagination a mere idle dream of romance and enthusiasm without existence in nature without possibility in life in uncivilized countries or in lawless times independence for a while may perhaps stalk abroad but in a regular garment it's only the vision of a heated brain one part of a community must inevitably hang upon another and it's a farce to call either independent when to break the chain by which they are linked would prove destruction to both the soldier wants not the officer more than the officer the soldier nor the tenant the landlord more than the landlord the tenant the rich owe their distinction their luxuries to the poor as much as the poor owe their rewards their necessaries to the rich man treated as an ottoman answered belfield and considered merely with respect to his bodily operations may indeed be called dependent since the food by which he lives or rather without which he dies cannot wholly be cultivated and prepared by his own hands but considered in a nobler sense he deserves not the degrading epithet speak of him then as a being of feeling and understanding with pride to alarm with nerves to tremble with honour to satisfy and with a soul to be immortal as such may he not claim the freedom of his own thoughts may not that claim be extended to the liberty of speaking and the power of being governed by them and when thoughts words and actions are exempt from control will you brand him with dependency merely because the grazier feeds his meat and the baker nets his bread but who is there in the whole world said mr monckton extensive as it is and dissimilar as are its inhabitants that can pretend to assert his thoughts words and actions are exempt from control even where interest which you so much disdain interferes not though where that is i confess i cannot tell are we not kept silent where we wish to reprove by the fear of offending and made speak where we wish to be silent by the desire of obliging 
do we not bow down to the scoundrel as low as to the man of honour are we not by mere forms kept standing when tired made give place to those we despise and smiles to those we hate or if we refuse these attentions are we not regarded as savages and shut out of society all these answered belfield are so merely matters of ceremony that the concession can neither cost pain to the proud nor give pleasure to the vain the bow is to the court the attention is to the rank and the fear of offending ought to extend to all mankind homage such as this infringes not our sincerity since it is as much a matter of course as the dress that we wear and has as little reason to flatter a man as the shadow which follows him i no more therefore hold deceitful for not opposing this pantomimical parade than i hold him to be dependent for eating corn he has not sown where then do you draw the line and what is the boundary beyond which your independence must not step i hold that man cried he with energy to be independent who treats the great as the little and the little as the great who neither exults in riches nor blushes in poverty who owes no man a groat and who spends not a shilling he has not earned you will not indeed then have a very numerous acquaintance if this is the description of those with whom you purpose to associate but is it possible that you imagine you can live by such notions why the carthusian in his monastery who is at least removed from temptation is not modified so severely as a man of spirit living in the world who would prescribe himself such rules not merely have i prescribed returned belfield i have already put them in practice and far from finding my penance i never before found happiness i have now adopted though poor the very plan of life i should have elected if rich my pleasure therefore is become my business and my business my pleasure and is this plan cried monckton nothing more than turning knight-errant to booksellers it is a knight-errantry cried belfield laughing which however ludicrous it may seem to you requires more soul and more brains than any other our giants may indeed be only windmills but they must be attacked with as much spirit and conquered with as much bravery as any fort or any town in the time of war to be demolished and though the siege i must confess may be of less national utility the assailants of the quill have their honour as much at heart as the assailants of the sword i suppose then said mr monckton archly if a man wants a biting lampoon or an handsome panegyric some newspaper scandal or a sonnet for a lady no no interrupted belfield eagerly 
if you imagine me a hireling scribbler for the purposes of defamation or of flattery you as little know my situation as my character my subjects shall be my own and my satire shall be general i would as much disdain to be personal with an anonymous pen as to attack an unarmed man in the dark with a dagger i had kept concealed a reply of rallying incredulity was rising to the lips of mr monckton when reading in the looks of cecilia an entire approbation of this sentiment he checked his desire of ridicule and exclaimed spoken like a man of honour and one whose words may profit the world from my earliest youth to the present hour continued belfield literature has been the favourite object of my pursuit my recreation in leisure and my hope in employment my propensity to it indeed has been so ungovernable that i may properly call it the source of my several miscarriages throughout life it was the bar to my preferment for it gave me a distaste to other studies it was the cause of my unsteadiness in all my undertakings because to all i preferred it it has sunk me to distress it has involved me in difficulties it has brought me to the brink of ruin by making me neglect the means of living yet never till now did i discern it might itself be my support i am heartily glad sir said cecilia your various enterprises and struggles have at length ended in a project which promises you so much satisfaction but you will surely suffer your sister and your mother to partake of it for who is there that your prosperity will make so happy you do them infinite honour madam by taking any interest in their affairs but to own to you the truth what to me appears prosperity will to them wear another aspect they have looked forward to my elevation with expectations the most improbable and thought everything within my grasp with a simplicity incredible but though their hopes were absurd i'm pained by their disappointment and i have not courage to meet their tears which i am sure will not be spared when they see me it is from tenderness then said cecilia half smiling that you are cruel and from affection to your friends that you make them believe you have forgotten them there was a delicacy in this reproach exactly suited to work upon belfield who feeling it with quickness started up and cried i believe i'm wrong i will go to them this moment cecilia felt eager to second the generous impulse but mr monckton laughing at his impetuosity insisted he should first finish his breakfast your friends said cecilia can have no mortification so hard to bear as your voluntary absence and if they see but that you are happy they will soon be reconciled to whatever situation you may choose 
happy repeated he with animation oh i am in paradise i am come from a region in the first rude state of nature to civilization and refinement the life i led at the cottage was the life of a savage no intercourse with society no consolation from books my mind locked up every source dried of intellectual delight and no enjoyment in my power but from sleep and from food weary of an existence which thus levelled me with a brute i grew ashamed of the approximation and listening to the remonstrance of my understanding i gave up the precipitate plan to pursue one more consonant to reason i came to town hired a room and sent for pen ink and paper what i have written are trifles but the bookseller has not rejected them i was settled therefore in a moment and comparing my new occupation with that i had just quitted i seemed exalted on the sudden from a mere creature of instinct to a rational and intelligent being but when first i opened a book after so long an abstinence from all mental nourishment oh it was rapture no half-famished beggar regaled suddenly with food ever ceased on his repast with more hungry avidity let fortune turn which way it will cried monkton you may defy all its malice while possessed of a spirit of enjoyment which nothing can subdue but were you not sir said cecilia as great an enthusiast the other day for your cottage and for labour i was madam but there my philosophy was erroneous in my ardour to fly from meanness and from dependence i thought in labour and retirement i should find freedom and happiness but i forgot that my body was not seasoned for such work and considered not that a mind which had once been opened by knowledge could ill endure the contraction of dark and perpetual ignorance the approach however of winter brought me acquainted with my mistake it grew cold it grew bleak little guarded against the inclemency of the i felt its severity in every limb and missed a thousand indulgencies which in possession i had never valued to rise at the break of day chill freezing and comfortless no sun abroad no fire at home to go out in all weather to work that work rough coarse and laborious unused to such hardships i found i could not bear them and however unwillingly was compelled to relinquish the attempt breakfast now being over he again arose to take leave you are going then sir said cecilia immediately to your friends no madam answered he hesitating not just this moment to-morrow morning perhaps but it is now late 
and I have business for the rest of the day. Ah, Mr. Monkton, cried Cecilia, what mischief have you done by occasioning this delay? This goodness, madam, said Belfield, my sister can never sufficiently acknowledge, but I will own that though just now in a warm moment I felt eager to present myself to her and my mother, I rather wish, now I am cooler, to be saved the pain of telling them in person my situation. I mean, therefore, first to write to them. You will not fail, then, to see them tomorrow? Certainly, I think not. Nay, but certainly you must not, for I shall call upon them today and assure them they may expect you. Can I soften your task of writing by giving them any message from you? Ah, madam, have a care, cried he. This condescension to a poor order may be more dangerous than you have any suspicion, and before you have power to help yourself, you may see your name prefixed to the dedication of some trumpery pamphlet. I will run, cried she, all risks. Remember, therefore, you will be responsible for the performance of my promise. I will be sure, answered he, not to forget what reflects so much honour upon myself. Cecilia was satisfied by this assent, and he then went away. A strange flighty character, cried Mr. Monckton, yet of uncommon capacity and full of genius. Were he less imaginative, wild and eccentric, he has abilities for any station, and might fix and distinguish himself almost wherever he pleased. I knew not, said Cecilia, the full worth of steadiness and prudence till I knew this young man, for he has everything else, talents the most striking, a love of virtue the most elevated, and manners the most pleasing, yet wanting steadiness and prudence, he can neither act with consistency nor prosper with continuance. He is well enough, said Lady Margaret, who had heard the whole argument in sullen taciturnity. He is well enough, I say, and there comes no good from young women's being so difficult. Cecilia, offended by a speech which implied a rude desire to dispose of her, went upstairs to her own room. And Mr. Monckton, always enraged, when young men and Cecilia were alluded to in the same sentence, retired to his library. She then ordered a chair and went to Portland Street to fulfill what she had offered to Belfield, and to revive his mother and sister by the pleasure of the promised interview. She found them together, and her intelligence being of equal consequence to both, she did not now repine at the presence of Mrs. Belfield. She made her communication with the most cautious attention to their characters, 
softening the ill she had to relate with respect to belfield's present way of living by endeavouring to awaken affection and joy from the prospect of the approaching meeting she counselled them as much as possible to restrain their chagrin at his misfortunes which he would but construe into reproach of his ill-management and she represented that when once he was restored to his family he might almost imperceptibly be led into some less wild and more profitable scheme of business when she had told all she thought proper to relate kindly interspersing her account with the best advice and best comfort she could suggest she made an end of her visit for the affliction of mrs belfield upon hearing the actual situation of her son was so clamorous and unappeasable that little wondering at belfield's want of courage to encounter it and having no opportunity in such a storm to console the soft henrietta whose tears flowed abundantly that her brother should thus be fallen she only promised before she left town to see her again and beseeching mrs belfield to moderate her concern was glad to leave the house where her presence had no power to quiet the distress she passed the rest of the day in sad reflections upon the meeting she was herself to have the next morning with mr delvile she wished ardently to know whether his son was gone abroad and whether mrs delvile was recovered whose health in her own letter was mentioned in terms the most melancholy yet neither of these inquiries could she even think of making since reasonably without them apprehensive of some reproach End of chapter 3